Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and I just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Uh, we are beginning a new teaching series today called Everything, and we're going to be talking about what it looks like to build into our life of faith a lot of different qualities and components and characteristics that will guide us through our Christian life. Uh, so question for you, have you ever run into a situation where you have not been equipped or didn't have all the tools necessary to carry out the task that was uh, assigned to you? Maybe it was a, a work assignment, maybe it was something at home that you were doing, but you you just felt like, I don't have everything it takes to do what's being asked of me. Uh, not too long ago, I ordered a new, de a new desk for my office, and so uh, these three giant boxes came in the mail that I was supposed to then put together. Uh, I, it took me like an hour to just get everything out of the boxes and kind of assembled around my room, and then I grabbed the instructions to start putting this together, because number one, if you don't know already about me, I am not handy at any level. All right. So for me to put something together is like, I need detailed instructions. I need to be simple. And I pulled out these instructions and the only thing on the paper was pictures. There were no words. There were no guiding things. There were no like use this size screw for this thing. It was just like, here's a picture. These two things should go together. Do it. And I had no clue how to make that happen. And I'm just looking at this going, I don't have everything I need for this. And so for an hour or more, I just kind of labored over this thing going, I can't, I can't do this. I don't have what it takes to do this. And then I realized we go to a church with like a hundred engineers. I should call somebody. <laughs> so I did. I called one of our elders. I said, Hey Bill, you need to, uh, to come stop being retired and come work for me for the afternoon. And so he did, he jumped up here and, uh, and started uh, to help me. And we looked at this thing and even with Bill there trained engineer for all these years, he looks at it and he goes, man, I don't know. <laughs> so we're trying to work on this thing. It took us over three hours to put this desk together and I needed lots of help for him. Now, maybe for you, it's not something like that. Maybe you've just gotten to a place before where you were cooking a meal. Anybody ever been in a position where you've been cooking something and then realized you didn't have one or two of the main ingredients to complete the meal that you were trying to prepare? You're looking and going, man, I just tried to make this meal and I don't have eggs and that is necessary component or I didn't have milk or whatever it is. And so that's when you've got to go, man, I I hope I've got good neighbors who have a well-stocked pantry that I can call at any time and get what I need because I don't have everything I need. Now, let's take that same thought and let's ask the hard question. Have you ever felt like that when it comes to your faith? The man, there are things that God has called me to. God wants me to live a life of holiness. God wants me to live a life of godliness. I'm supposed to, to do a mission trip like a lot of these people were talking about this morning or, or I've been called to share my faith with a neighbor or a family member and I just don't know if I have everything I need to do that. 
Maybe I'm lacking in the things that are vital and important for me to, to, to share my faith or to do these things. Maybe you've been in a place before where you just feel like I don't have everything I need because I, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not an elder. I'm not a staff member. Uh, so how can God use me to do something? I don't have all the equipping. I didn't go to seminary. I don't have Bible training. I just don't have everything I need. And maybe in your life, you've just gotten to a place where you go, maybe I've just grown as far as I possibly can as a follower of Christ. Maybe I've reached my potential and this is it for me. Maybe I can't go beyond this stage of faith. Maybe I'll never know more about the Bible. Maybe I'll never be more intimately engaged with Jesus because I've just kind of plateaued in knowing what it looks like to follow after Christ. And maybe you think, I just don't have everything I need. Well, if that's how you've ever felt or where you are this morning, I want to give you some really good news. In the book of 2 Peter, Peter tells us what it looks like to live a life of growing faith. And he encourages us with the idea and the fact that God gives us everything we need. So I want us to look at this together. Again, if you have your Bible, 2 Peter chapter 1, start out in verse 1. He says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And so as Peter writes this letter, number one, the thing we need to understand here is that Peter is writing to Christians, to those who have received God's righteousness through faith in Jesus. We are people under the grace of God and we're living at peace with God. And so that's how he begins his letter. Grace to you, peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then he, when we realize as people who are hearing this message, these writing to Christians who have been given God's grace, who have been given peace with Christ, when we realize that this is not something we earn on our own, that we can gain for ourselves, that this is totally dependent on God and His grace and His mercy, that salvation for us is something that's received from Him. It's something that we gain from Him. Not something we manipulate him to do for us. Not something we're good enough to earn for ourselves. Not something we could ever uh, do on our own or accomplish through works and all these different things. It's a gift that's given to us. And as Peter writes this, he tells us when we come into God's faith family that we're changed by Jesus forever. We're given this gift of salvation. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that we are new creations that the old has gone and that the new has come. And so God charts a different path for your life than you would have ever thought possible. And he's going to take you on a journey of faith that you could never have possibly dreamed of. And so this is where Peter tells us that his divine power gives us everything we need for a godly life. God wants you to be godly. God wants you to be in relationship with him. He wants you to escape the corruption in the world that's caused by what? By our evil desires. The things that corrupt us in this world are caused when we chase after them based on our own evil desires. And so he calls us into these things. He's given us everything we need to follow him in growing faithfulness throughout our life. So let me ask you a question, and here's where we're gonna spend a lot of our time this morning. How do we live a godly life? How do we live this godly life? If that's what God has called us to, how do we possibly do that? 
Jerry Bridges, in his book, The Practice of Godliness, gives my favorite definition of godliness when he says, godliness is a devotion to God that results in a life or actions that are pleasing to him. Godliness is this devotion to God. And the result of that devotion is born out in our, in our lifestyle. It's born out in our actions that we show and we prove in this world that I am with God, I'm for God. He's changing me and I want to be like him. So when we're called to this devoted relationship with God, the results in the action of our life working out our faith, he goes, that's when God really is changing us. So we see this in two different ways. One, we see it in the act of justification that we see this is when we just accept God's gift of grace. We understand that Jesus is God in flesh. He came to this world, lived a perfect life. He was sinless. That he went to the cross and gave his life as a ransom for us. He was our sacrifice. That God, who needs to punish sin, punished Jesus instead of punishing you and I. Jesus became our scapegoat. He took on the sin of the world and he became our sacrifice. And then once we know that and we see that, and Jesus not only died on the cross, but he went to the grave, but three days later he rose from death defeating death, hell, and the grave forever to give us life. So that process of justification that we accept God's gift of grace by the faith that he's given to us through the Holy Spirit. Then the second half of that act that's a continual lifelong process is what we call sanctification. That every day we're being made more and more and more like Jesus. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, and through our own desire to please God and work out these, these faith matters. And so what Peter is going to call us to this morning and help us to understand is how to live a godly life. To live a life of devotion to God that pleases him in the actions of our heart. And so look at verse 3 again. He says this, His divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by these evil desires. So how do we live a godly life? Let me give you three things quickly, and then we're going to go back and talk about them. Number one, we live a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. It starts with our knowledge of him. That we don't just know about God, that we have this personal, intimate knowledge relationship with him. So through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness. Number two, through his glory and goodness, we receive great and precious promises. That we see that God is a God who is glorious, who's good, and he gives promises to his people. So through them, we receive God's great and precious promises. Then number three, through God's promises, we participate in the divine nature. So when you see Peter say in verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life, we don't just conjure up this ability. We don't just say, hey, you know what? I think today I'm going to be godly. This is something that's given to us. It's a gift of God. It's his grace to us. We also don't manipulate God into seeing us as godly. He alone gives us what's needed to live a life of godliness. He intends us to have that relationship with him. And as we get to know God, we grow in our understanding of him. Knowledge of God doesn't indicate just a casual awareness. There are people in this room that I, I know, I know I see your faces, I know your names, but I don't know you and you may not know me. Right, And that's the same way in a lot of cases that we treat God. I, I'm aware of God. I know about God. I read the Bible, but I don't know God. And so when we think about this, this idea of knowledge 
brings us into an intimate awareness of who God is. Then secondly, that God's knowledge, the knowledge of God brings us to an understanding of the great and precious promises he's made for us. Did you know that there are over 3,000 promises in scripture? Over 3,000 promises that God makes in scripture. And because he's glorious, because he's good, he follows through with his promises. He always upholds his promises to us. And the greatest promise is that anyone who would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ would be saved. That your belief in Christ is what changes your life. That he wants you to know he's for you. Peter tells us that through God's promises, we participate in the divine nature. Christianity is so much more than being a part of a weekly Bible study or coming to a worship service. It's a participation in the divine nature. That we get to experience that divine following nature of Christ here on this earth. That we're not waiting for heaven to be made uh, into the, to practice the divine nature, but we can enjoy that here. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. That's abundant life here and now that we engage in, participate in this divine nature. The word participate in the Greek is koinonos, and it carries with it the idea of being a partner and a partaker in fellowship with God. That we don't just know about God, but that we're partnership with him. We partake in this nature with him that he's given us the ability to escape the corruption and the evil desires of this world and participate in his divine nature here and now. And so Paul talks about this a little bit in Galatians chapter four, verses four through seven, talking about the divine nature. He says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. You're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. And so we see this and we go, God has called us into this relationship with him that's deeply personal, that's intimate. That he puts the spirit of his son into our hearts so that just as Jesus called out, Abba, Father, the Spirit in us allows us to call out, Abba, Father. That word Abba means daddy. It's personal. It's intimate. It's an awareness of God where I just want to be close to him. During the first service, my youngest son sat with me in church, and he was kind of cold. And so he just nestled up right beside me and just let me rub on his arms and warm him up. And as we sang, he just stood in front of me, and I had my arms around him. And it was just daddy being with his son in that intimate relationship. He would not have run up to any of you and gone, hi, I'm cold, can you rub my arms? He wouldn't do that. But he knows daddy will do that for him. And so when you think about your relationship with God, you're called to participate in this divine nature where you know God intimately. He no longer calls you slaves. He calls you sons. He calls you daughters. You get to be with him as an heir and a co-heir with Christ that we participate in this divine nature. So this morning, to kind of wrap this up, I want us to look at the way that Peter responds to these truths as we start to, to close this up. We've been given everything we need for a life of godliness. And when you read this, the text that we read just a few minutes ago, you've been given everything we need for a life of godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, through what? Through his glory and goodness, he's given us his great and precious promises. So that through them, through what? Through his great and precious promises, we may participate in the divine nature, escaping the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Then Peter says this, for this reason, because of all these things that we've just talked about, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to 
knowledge, self-control, into self-control, perseverance, into perseverance, godliness, into godliness, mutual affection, and a mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that he's been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Peter lists these characteristics that we should be developing in partnership with the Holy Spirit to grow in godliness. This is a lifelong process called sanctification that we talked about just a little while ago. So when the Holy Spirit comes to live in our lives after God has justified us by accepting Jesus into our life as our Lord and our Savior, to ask him to forgive us of our sins, we're justified. Then we spend our entire lives being sanctified. And he says, it's not just something that you do for a moment and then you forget about it. He goes, this is a daily, yearly, decade after decade pursuit of Christ. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be spending time looking at these characteristics of what Peter says we should add to our faith. That we are people of faith who've come to this faith realization of our need for a Savior and we've invited Christ into our hearts by God's grace through faith. Then Peter says to add to our faith all of these different characteristics. And so we're going to take time to look at each of them and we're going to talk about what it looks like to build these characteristics into our lives. Many of you are going to be in life groups discussing these things and talking through them and encouraging one another to take steps to grow in godliness throughout the semester. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we desire every single believer in Christ to be moving this way, to be saying, I know God has called me to a life of godliness. I want to be growing in godliness. I know God has called me to a life of holiness. I want to be growing in holiness. And so how we do that is by gaining understanding of these things. So here's the next question. Why is this so important? Why should I pursue a life of godliness? There are two promises, and then there's a warning in this passage. Here's the first promise. Number one, he says, possessing these qualities in increasing measure will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. And so when Peter writes this, he goes, you add to your faith, goodness, goodness, knowledge, knowledge, perseverance, perseverance, self-control, self-control, godliness, godliness, add mutual affection to mutual affection, add love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you'll never be ineffective or unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus. I mean, isn't that good news? Because when we think about that, none of you have ever joined a team, taken a job, jumped into some kind of a, a, a career thing and thought, you know what, I really hope that I'm terrible at this and I hope I completely fail at it. Everyone gets involved with things to say, I want to be effective in this. I want to be productive in this. I want my family to be effective and productive. I want my job to be effective and productive. I want what I do in the community to have impact, to be effective, to be productive. God says the same thing about our faith journey. He wants us to feel like in our faith, we are moving forward with production, that we're being effective, being productive in our knowledge of Jesus. And so he says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you're always growing, you're never done, that you'll continue to walk with Christ in this way. So none of us ever get to a point where we go, you know, self-control, I think I've accomplished self-control. I can quit working on that now. <laughs> I've got it figured out. Love for people, I've approached the climax of my love for people, and so I don't have to worry about that anymore. He goes, no, no, no. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, 
day after day after day, growing, increasing in them. You'll never be ineffective or productive. So that's one of the promises. Here's one of the warnings, or here's the warning. Anyone who does not possess these qualities is nearsighted and blind, forgetting they've been cleansed from their past sins. And we heard the story on stage just a little while ago about this little girl who was nearsighted uh, in uh, El Salvador and who was given glasses. I can relate. I am blind. If it was not for glasses and contacts, I couldn't see anything. This room would just look like a giant blur to me, right? So last night, I'm studying my stuff. I'm reading over my passage and reading over this thing. And I kind of went, you know what? I just want to remember and remind myself how blind I really am. I took the glasses off and I said, let's see how close it has to be before I can see this thing. And it went like this and this and this and this. And eventually, it was almost touching my nose before the words came into focus. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am so blind. <laughs> I have nearsightedness to the max. Spiritually, when we think about being nearsighted and blind, he says, if anyone does not possess these things, he's nearsighted and blind. Here's what he's talking about spiritually. He goes, all you're concerned about is right here, right now. You think this world is the climax of what you're supposed to be about. This is your kingdom. This is what you're invested in. You have no forward vision, no future thinking about eternal things, about the kingdom of God, about growing in your faith in him that will last eternally, storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not being concerned about the things of earth. Because if you don't possess these qualities, you're nearsighted. You're blind. If you look at these and go, I don't need self-control. I don't need to persevere in my faith. I don't need this. I don't need that. Then he's going, you're missing the picture. You don't see it. You need to put the glasses on. You need to put the lenses on of faith to look at these and think, God, how do I grow and increase every day in these things? So that's the warning. Here's the second promise. If you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into God's kingdom. Man, that's a great promise, isn't it? How can you be sure you get to the end of your time on this earth, stand before God one day and hear him say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Peter says, if you will make your calling and your election sure, then you will never stumble and you'll receive a rich welcome into God's kingdom. Now, that does not mean you'll never sin again. You'll never make mistakes in life. You won't have bad days. Things won't go south. It does not mean you won't stumble. You won't mess up. You won't mis uh, make mistakes. It simply means that you will be able to run toward God through those things, that you'll know that he's right there with you, that you'll run toward him when you do have sin in your life. You won't abandon God, walk away from God, but you'll run to him again as daddy and say, I made a mistake. I want you to pick me up and take me back and embrace me and help, help me to, to overcome this sin in my life. And so when we see that, we see that God is responsible to make uh, to call us to make every effort to join the Holy Spirit in this process of sanctification so we can run and not stumble into the rich inheritance of God's kingdom. And that's such an important thing for us to know and understand as we read this and we think about this, is that there is a process for us to be in, a part of. The different times in this passage, Peter says, make every effort. <laughs> that we don't just come into faith in Christ become believers in Jesus and then go, okay, now I'm just going to sit back and let the Holy Spirit change me and he's going to make me more like Jesus. And when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to be totally different than I was today. The Spirit of God will work in us 
in partnership with us to grow these things in our life. You make every effort to add to your faith. You make every effort to confirm your calling and election, to make sure of these things. You have a part to play in this. Now, here's the final challenge for us this morning as we go through this series. And we're going to be spending about 10 weeks in this one passage, verses 3 through 11. And every week, next week, we're just going to look at faith. That's the building block of all of this. And then the next week, goodness. The next week, or excuse me, knowledge. And then goodness. And then kindness. We're going to just go through these things. And we're going to say, how does God want me to build these things into my life? So here's the challenge for us as a church. I would love for everyone in our faith family to be memorizing this passage of Scripture over the next 11 weeks. That we would be able to put these things in our heart. And as we pray, we'd be going, God, help me to, to grow in these things. Help me to know what direction to push for these things. Let me take next steps with you in these things. Make me godly. So memorize this. Parents, work with your kids to memorize this. I was sharing this challenge with my kids last night. We were driving uh, home from Doe River Gorge. We did a family day at Doe River Gorge, and I was telling my kids we're going to learn this passage. I want to help them memorize this passage. And I start speaking this passage, and Grayson goes, oh, I know this. And he had like the first two verses. And I said, how do you know that, Grayson? He started quoting it for me. He goes, oh, we, that was our, our VBS main, main memory verse last year. They go to First Baptist VBS every, every summer, and that was their memory verse. And there was a song that went along with it. And he starts singing this song that just went along with this passage exactly. So, man, that's incredible. Let's just keep learning it. Let's keep memorizing from where you already have to where we're going to go. So life groups. If you're a life group leader, if you're involved in life group, when you come to group, and we're going to be doing this in my life group, Part of what we're going to do in our groups as we talk about this passage every week is go, hey, we're going to take time and just say, who's got some of this? Who can quote some of this? How, as we go throughout the semester, who can get it all? Can we do this? And we're going to just challenge one another to learn this passage. So I want to call you guys in to join with me in doing that. Now, the way I wanted to end that this morning was to take my first stab at it. This is terrifying to do it in front of 100 people. But as we think about what this looks like to put God's word in our heart and to say, if we're going to know God's word, if we're going to know how to grow to be godly, we need to know what it says. We need to know what characteristics and attributes belong in our life and won't dawn. And so I wanted to do this, not as a show, not as something that, that I'm gaining applause for or anything like that, because the truth is, is I'm going to mess this up. <laughs> Part of why I wanted to do this was to go, if I can't get it all down, that's good reason for you not to have to worry about you trying to memorize it and mess up too, right? And so I just want to try but here's how Peter begins this. He says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a life of godliness. Through our knowledge of him, who's called us by his glory and goodness. Through these, we have his great and precious promises so that through them, we can participate in the divine nature and escape the evil in this world, caused by our evil ambitions, evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness, knowledge and to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, mutual affection, brotherly love, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities, in increasing measure. You'll never be ineffective, never be unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and your election. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble and you'll receive a rich welcome into God's eternal kingdom through our Savior, Jesus Christ. There's power in that. There's hope in that. It's what we're called to, to know him and through our knowledge of him to grow because he's called us to have intimacy. And you can't have intimacy with God if you don't know how to walk in step with him. So be asking God to grow you in these things. Let's chase it together through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.